Glad to be preaching again. I, uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing, but I, I listened to some of Adam Sutton, Elder Adam Sutton's sermon, and did a fantastic job, and I've heard from other people, so thank you, Adam, for preaching your first sermon here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I heard you went for like 55 minutes, which means now you set the new tone for me to go for 55 minutes. No, we won't go quite that long, but great to, to see you up here preaching. One person did tell me, they said... Uh, Pastor Rick, you better watch out. Adam's, uh, Adam's coming in as a preacher. So I'm looking forward to getting Adam up here again preaching, actually. I'm hoping soon. But we're going to start a new sermon series today on the book of Psalms, on the Psalms, called Summer Psalms. And uh, the Psalms are a beautiful part of Scripture. Uh, they're really the songs or poems, uh, the prayers of God's people. Uh, they're not really meant to just be dissected, sort of, to, and you know, for trying to grab theological gems out of it, you're, it's really more meant to lead you into the presence of God and lead you into praise. And I'm hoping to use, like I said, a lot of what we've learned right there in Israel. That wasn't the plan originally, but it actually kind of works. A lot of what we experienced in Israel kind of fits into a lot of these psalms that we're going to be looking at. But I want to start this first psalm um, with Psalm 23. And that's the most common psalm. Most of them are going to be not so recognizable. But I wanted to start with uh, perhaps the most well-known, not only the most well-known psalm, but really perhaps the most well-known part of Scripture. Uh, Maybe rivaling that would be John 3.16. Maybe. Some people would be more familiar probably with Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, than any other part. Uh, So I want to start there. I think it's an extremely important psalm for us. Um, And I think... In many ways, uh, Jesus himself uh, refers to it again and again. Not that Jesus necessarily quotes it. I don't think he actually ever quotes Psalm 23, but he refers to it again and again as he sees himself as the good shepherd, as the shepherd over Israel, the one who truly cares for Israel, runs after the one lost sheep, is willing to lay down his life. He is, as, as the Lord is in Psalm 23, the good shepherd over Israel. And we are the sheep. Now, being called sheep is not usually considered a compliment, right? Most people don't think that's a compliment. In fact, we have a new word in the English language, sheeple. Anyone here of a sheeple? Uh, people who are like sheep. They just follow whatever someone says. They call them sheeple. It's said negatively. And actually, some people say sheep are dumb. They're stupid animals. Actually, that's not true. Uh, sheep, are, are some of the, sheep and goats are some of the smartest animals on the planet. Did you know that? So you got whales and dolphins and all that, dogs and sheep and pigs. Those are some of the smartest animals on the planet. Sheep are not dumb. They understand. They can recognize the voice and commands of a shepherd. But here's the key characteristic of sheep. They follow a shepherd. They trust the shepherd. They're willing to do whatever they can to stay with him uh, as they listen to his voice. That's what Psalm 23 picks up on. So look with me, if you will. Psalm 23. We'll have it up on the screen. Many of you guys probably have this memorized. Uh, maybe from when you were a kid or whatever it is. This is read in almost every uh, funeral in the English language. I've done, I think I've read this. I want to guess that I've read this psalm at every funeral I've done, which is probably what? I don't know. I don't know how many, 50-something, 60-something funerals over the years. This is a common one. Uh, Dave Shaw could, could probably attest to this, that virtually every funeral and every Christian funeral, Psalm 23 is read. And for good reason, although it speaks about more than simply dealing with grief and death. We read this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Follow the Lord's leading as sheep follow a shepherd. There's an outline in your bulletin as always. If you want to see where we're going, uh, three points. The to follow the Lord's leading as a sheep follow a shepherd first. We look to the Lord for provision and guidance. Verses 1 through 3. For provision and guidance. He describes here the Lord as his shepherd. The word Lord, if you may notice, has four capital letters. I don't know if you ever noticed about this, this about your English Bible. If it has four capital letters, L-O-R-D, it's the proper name for God. Sometimes pronounced Yahweh. It's the Lord, the one who is. If it is capital L, lowercase o-r-d, it refers to Adonai, uh, Lord, which is a common word used in different contexts. Well, this is saying, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd, and I shall not want. And by saying he doesn't want, he doesn't mean he doesn't have any desires. This is where I think the old English has been sort of carried over into uh, the translation. So they don't want to sort of get rid of the old English there. Uh, But the idea is not that you have no desires, you have no wants but you're not in want. Uh, so if you have the, um, I think uh, the NIV says, I lack nothing. That's the idea. A good shepherd takes care of his sheep. He makes sure they're not starving, they're not dehydrated, they're not in danger. He watches over them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as he says here, he makes them lie down into green pastures and besides still waters. And here's the thing about that. Um, if you have in mind here, Ireland, you know, green, lush, rolling hills where the sheep can just roam freely about. you got the wrong image in mind. The image here is Israel, of course. And there is very little water in Israel. Too early for the picture. (laughs) Very little water in Israel. You have to travel great distances to find water. And because of that, there's very little green pastures. So this is a big deal. You need a shepherd to keep sheep alive. The sheep will not survive on their own unless a shepherd leads them carefully because he knows exactly where water exists and where there are green pastures. He restores my soul for the sheep. Uh, The idea of soul just means life, sustenance, vibrancy, vitality. He keeps us alive is the idea. He keeps us fed and keeps us well uh, watered. Leads me in paths of righteousness. Again, we maybe too quickly spiritualize what he's saying there. Uh, Literally, it just means he leads me down right paths. There are different paths that sheep can take. Wrong paths lead to death and starvation and dehydration. Right paths lead to life. He makes sure, as a good shepherd, he leads us down right paths. And he does it ultimately for his name's sake. We'll return to that idea, but he does it for his own glory. As a shepherd, of course, is ultimately using the sheep towards an end and towards a purpose. I love how it says in the beginning, this is a psalm of David. So we know who is the author of this psalm. Uh, David is the first, uh, well, was the greatest king of Israel's history, was the second king of Israel after Saul. If you were here a couple months ago, we talked about the anointing of David. Uh, Samuel went to this little town called Bethlehem, 
and he went to anoint the next king. Uh, he went through all of the brothers of David. None of them were chosen to be king, except for uh, it ended up being this little runt of a kid who was where? Out in the fields tending to his sheep. And now you put the picture up. So this is Bethlehem. We did visit there briefly. This is in the West Bank, so it's uh, not a place we really spent a, long, a lot of time there. That's an al- a huge aloe plant right there that's sort of beyond the picture. And you can imagine beyond that, you see those fields. And it wouldn't have been as green as it was. They've really uh, tried to green up Israel. But around, probably in those very fields, David learned how to be a shepherd. He took care of his sheep. And when doing so, he learned, first of all, how to be a good leader. So unlike Saul, sort of a king who ruled by strength and might merely, David knew that with sheep, it takes a certain level of skill, patience, of love for the sheep, of willingness to spend night days and nights out in the fields, of careful wisdom of guiding them towards where there is water and where there is green pasture. He said, this is how you lead people. This is how he ended up being a good king over Israel. But more than that, even deeper than that, David realizes, this is how the Lord leads me. The Lord is my shepherd. Just like I'm out here in these fields of Bethlehem trying to take care of these sheep and make sure they don't starve, make sure they don't dehydrate. So the Lord is guiding me to where he wants me to be. He's a shepherd. In fact, that idea of, the, of a shepherd became almost iconic in Israel because David was a shepherd and because the Lord is described as a shepherd. Even though it was a lowly job, uh, so it was not a high up job, the shepherds were sort of seen, looked down upon in general. Um, it was seen as a dirty job, uh, but nevertheless it became like an iconic position by the first century. And in those same fields in Bethlehem, the Lord Jesus was born. Interesting, isn't it, that Sheep are useful to a shepherd for a number of different purposes. Primarily, they're useful for clothing. Uh, they're useful for milk, sheep and goats. Uh, for food sometimes, although you don't want to rush to that because that's one meal, that's all you get out of it. So they didn't, you know, slaughtered. But they were also used for sacrifice. In those very fields that David tended, the sheep that he's talking about here in Psalm 23, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is born. And becomes the sheep who saves us from our sin he is of course the good shepherd as well he grew up or he was born i should say in a small shepherding village notice friends he says here we look to the lord for provision and guidance provision and guidance he's the one who leads us to the green pastures and the still waters what does that mean Uh, most people have taken this and said this he's talking about here about spiritual nourishment Spiritual nourishment. Matthew Henry says this is talking about spiritual food. He takes his people and he makes sure that they are they're fed. <laughs> How are they fed? How are we fed spiritually? By the scriptures, first and foremost. God has given us his word to make sure we're spiritually nourished from the scriptures. This is where we get food. But also from the ministry of the church, which is about teaching and proclaiming the word, that's where we find spiritual food. And friends, the the further we get away from it, the further we get away from where there's spiritual nourishment and food, the more hungry we get. (laughs) The more we begin to get malnourished. God has brought us here for a purpose. He calls the church together as a place where you eat spiritually. We look to the shepherd who guides us from place to place. It says here he 
restores our souls. He makes sure that we are healthy and strong and vibrant as we walk with the Lord. He leads us down paths of righteousness. He makes sure we're taking the right paths spiritually. And when you look back at your life, it's really your whole life is just a combination of various different decisions you've made to go one direction as opposed to another or as opposed to a dozen others, right? Uh, One is you just, you've, decided to follow Christ because he was at work in you and calling you to himself. But then again, so many other different decisions. I remember 18 years ago today, I stood right here and a lovely lady in white walked up down that aisle and stood right next to me. And I said, I do, or I will. And she said, I do. Uh, that was 18 years ago today, by the way. Today's my anniversary. That's what I'm trying to say. But uh, thank you. <laughs> It was, a, it was a right path that God led me to. And friends, that decision that day has impacted my life more than almost any other decision. Because I say following Christ, of course, is the greatest decision. Uh, but that decision is a path of righteousness that did not come of my own wisdom, but as the Lord led. And we've got dozens of them having kids, job decisions we've made, becoming a pastor for me and making that decision, what seminary to go to, what church to, to go to, or for, for all of you guys, what church you decide to commit to when God calls you to move on from one church to another, Harvey's, right? When God calls you, that's a big decision. He's guiding us down paths of righteousness, or for the millers to pack up and to move overseas and to serve the Lord on the mission field, or other friends of ours like the Phillips to move to Chicago and to um, take a job there as much as he bought and didn't want that as the Lord leads and guides in different paths. Make sure the sheep are safe. He makes sure his sheep are spiritually nourished and well-fed. We all have these friends, these days of green pastures and still waters. You know, good, wonderful days, days that we enjoy and things are going really well, no major health issues, no major marital struggles, no major... Uh, conflict with someone, good, healthy days in which you're just eating and growing and learning. And these paths where he guides us from one direction to another, these common paths that shepherds take sheep from one place to the next. But that's not all of life because we have verse 4, don't we? Uh, verse 4, the Lord look to the Lord for security and safety. Not only provision and for guidance, but for security and and safety. This is probably the most well-known verse in this and probably often taken out of context, but he says here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, notice he's walking through this. I think that's important. That's one thing that hit me in studying and preparing for this sermon. Uh, you don't go and hang out in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, you don't set up camp there and, and you know, open up a summer home. Uh, you're trying to get through that uh, why? Because you want to get to the other side of that where there are green pastures and still waters. You don't want to stay long there. Uh, what does he have in mind here? The Hebrew word salmavet, the valley of the shadow of death, a dark valley, a dangerous place. Uh, sometimes uh, when you're in particularly in Israel, they don't have any water. They don't have any food. The sheep are running out. Maybe that's a famine or they've uh, depleted, depleted all of the resources in one area. The shepherd has to then move the sheep from one place to the next. And sometimes to do that, he has to take him through dangerous places. Actually, what he probably has in mind here is a wadi, which is a dry riverbed. 
these are deep places uh, where you, there used to be a river or there, there come these flash rivers at times. It's dangerous to be there. In fact, when we were there, the, our guide told us that about a dozen kids, Israelis and Arabs, were killed in a flash flood in a wadi earlier that year. And sometimes the shepherd knows better. He knows enough to know that he has to take them through the valley, this, these deep, dark valleys where there's danger. Uh, there's danger from all different types of things. Uh, there's danger from predators. Uh, there's danger from wolves, uh, from lions. They actually had lions back there, back then. And danger from thieves. Uh, you're, you're in a valley where you have no real sight of what's around you, and it's dark. What's one of the, anyone ever read Sun Tzu, The Art of War? Anyone ever read that? A couple people? One of the things he says is always gain the higher ground. <laughs> it's one of the basic rules. Always gain the higher ground because that's where you can see what's going on. It's dangerous to be in here. There are marauders and thieves who are happy to go and slaughter a, uh, a shepherd to steal his sheep. They're valuable. It's easy for the sheep to fall in these places. Goats are great at jumping. Goats are great at balance. Sheep, not so much. <laughs> Dangerous places. And he says, even though, like the sheep, I walk through these dark valleys. Notice what he says. I fear no evil. I'm not afraid. Why? Because you are with me. And I think it's interesting. Notice in verses 1 through 3, he's talking about God in the third person. He does this. He does this. He does this. But in verse 4, he switches to prayer, speaking directly to God. You are with me, not him. You, Lord. Because David can reflect in his own life the times he's walked through these dark valleys and has known that the Lord is with him through them. The sheep aren't fearful going through these times. Why? Because they know the shepherd is actually present, walking with them through the dark with rod and staff in hand. What are the rod and the staff? A rod was used for protection. Uh, so if a wolf or something did come, they would take the rod and they would attack. They would fight back against the predator. And nowadays, they don't carry rods. They carry rifles. So a modern translation would be, uh, your rifle and your bullets, they comfort me. That's kind of the idea behind it here. Uh, he, they're willing to do whatever it takes to protect the sheep. The staff was the shepherd's crook. Uh, it was what you would use to grab the sheep around its neck and pull it closer. Uh, sheep do tend to wander, and this is their way of saying, no, you cannot go far right now. You need to stay very, very close. Those two things, God's ability to protect us and his ability to keep us close to himself, are what comfort David as he goes through the dark valley. We look to the Lord for safety and for security. Again, uh, if you're thinking of uh, the sheep in these plush Ireland-like uh, uh, hills, you got the wrong picture. Here's where they would be. I have a picture of what this, when you talk about the sheep out in the wilderness. When we think wilderness, we think what? Trees <laughs> and grass and weeds and flowers, and that's the wilderness. No, this is the wilderness according to what he has in mind here. It's nothing but dirt <laughs> and hills and rocky areas. Uh, but every so often you find a spring. And we did go to one of these springs. So in the middle of a, a desert like this, we saw one of these. That's the shepherd's job. They take them from that 
wilderness, that barren wilderness, and find water and green pasture. To do so, he takes us sometimes through dark valleys. Friends, he does the same with us, doesn't he? Life isn't always the green pastures. It's not always the still waters. There are times that God takes us through dark valleys. He does it for a reason. He does it to get us to the other side. He does it because there are green pastures and still waters somewhere else. That's where he needs to get us. Not all paths are these righteous paths, these easy to go through, like standing on the altar with my wife. There are hard days that we face as well, days of marital struggles that maybe sometimes end in divorce, days of grief, losing someone we love where your son gets hit by a train unexpectedly and like that, your whole life begins to change. Where all of a sudden you find out you have cancer, you're going to go through years of chemotherapy, there are these hard days and our comfort during those times is that he is with us. I think that's so important, isn't it? That he is with us. That's the comfort. Not that he'll never have to take us down dark valleys. We never face these difficult, hard times. That's not the promise. If you've heard that from a televangelist, you've heard the wrong thing. All right? There's no promise in Scripture that says you never go down dark valleys. The promise in Scripture is, even in the dark valleys, he's with us. I, I like... I love the mountaintops, all right? I love the green pastures and the still waters, like anyone else, right? But you and I both know we need the valleys. See, if you, if you go to the sheep, if you could talk to sheep, well, you can talk to sheep. If they could talk back to you, that's the real question. And, and you talk to them in the green valleys, and you said, hey, sheep, where is the shepherd? They would probably say, um, I don't know. He's probably 100 yards that way. <laughs> if you could talk to them in the dark valley, and you said, hey, sheep, where is the shepherd? He would say, he's 10 feet in front of me right there, and I can hear every word coming from his mouth. <laughs> they know exactly where the shepherd is in the valley. The same is true of us, right? We go through these hard times. We know where God is. He's with us, and that's where our comfort is. We get a little lackadaisical, a little too comfortable at times in the green valleys, but God keeps us focused on him, trusting him in these hard times trusting that he has a rod and a staff. Again, just like I said about the food, the protection here is spiritual protection, <laughs> not necessarily physical. Uh, he protects us spiritually. He's watching out for us, making sure we don't fall. I mean, maybe we can hear the growl of the wolf. <laughs> we can hear the, the whispers of the marauders or thieves saying, well, if we wait another hour, we can snatch one or two. I mean, we can hear it. We can even feel the desire to wander off. He's with us, protecting us. That doesn't mean we don't suffer. It doesn't mean we don't eventually die. Again, the promise here is not for physical protection ultimately, although God does do that time to time, but be ready. I was thinking about this last trip to Israel. So I mentioned before my first uh, mission trip overseas, I got life insurance because I realized how, how uh, life can be so, uh, you got to be careful. I mean, basically, there's no promise that we don't die. Well, this time, I wrote my last will and testament. So, <laughs> uh, not again, not that I expected to die, but I wanted to be ready for whatever might happen uh, on this trip. There's no promise that, he will, that we won't pass on, but there is a promise that he spiritually watches over us and protects us. And all of us, friends, who have walked with the Lord for any length of time can look back and remember the valleys of Salmavet 
faithful, and he's watched over us and been with us in it. Verses 5 through 7, he sort of switches the illustration uh, and talks about God not so much just as our shepherd, but as our friend. Now, that's not such a stretch. As I said, shepherds loved their sheep. Uh, They looked at their sheep like friends. They had an intimate, close relationship with their sheep and their goats. Actually, when it talks about the shepherd leaving the 99 to find the one, I didn't realize this before, uh, that is not a stretch. That's what they would do. Now, they would leave the 99 with some hired workers, don't get me wrong, uh, but they would search far. They would go miles to find one lost sheep. They care about these sheep. They belong to them. They matter to them. Um, I I didn't grow up with uh, um, dogs. I didn't have any dogs growing up. I grew up with fish. You don't really get connected to fish. Uh, But I, I became a dog person about five years ago. So when somebody loses their dog and they cry and they grieve for a couple of days, I used to think, come on, what's your problem? That's just a dog. I get it now, all right? I get it now. I have a dog. If, he, if anything happens, I'm crying, all right? I'm, gonna, I'm grieving for, for a while. I get how close you give come to your animals. In the same sense, friends, that's how a shepherd would treat his animals. He would love them. That's why Jesus says the hired worker, where's the hired worker? If, if, some, if three guys with rifles approach a hired worker with his sheep, he says, these sheep aren't worth dying for. He throws down his gun and he runs away and gives the sheep up. But a shepherd would never do that. A shepherd would fight to the death. Not only because those are his livelihood, but because he genuinely loves and cares for the sheep. He literally sleeps out in the field with them. He literally knows them each by name. They know his voice and respond to his voice. And Jesus says, as the good shepherd, he would lay down his life for us because we belong to him. We're his friends. Look what he says in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So this is a meal. And to share a meal together is actually a sign of very of great intimacy, particularly in the in Middle Eastern culture. You anoint my head with oil. That's the honored guest. Uh, olive oil is a big deal. Uh, not only does it smell good and, and it was used medicinally, it's also delicious, by the way. Um, if you, if, you know, olive oil is great. Uh, but he anoint my head with oil. That's a special, lavish blessing. My cup overflows. I told you that uh, liquid, like water or wine, or whatever, would be a rarity. Uh, here's the cup overflowing. He's constantly overflowing their, uh, the cup of this guest, regular, this friend. Uh, because there's a relationship here. He's saying, God loves me, cares about me as a friend. Verse 6, surely goodness... And mercy, the word for mercy there, chesed, means uh, the loving faithfulness, the covenant faithfulness of God. Uh, it's used all over the Bible to refer not just to mercy, but more than that, his, his bind, his connection to his people that he never turns his back on. As my covenant faithfulness is with the sun to rise and, the, and the, the moon at night, so it is with my people. That's the idea. His chesed follows me, pursues me. Actually, the Literally, it persecutes me, (laughs) Uh, follows me closely all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is not just a shepherd, but he's also a friend who welcomes us into fellowship with himself. David sees here that this relationship with God is not only something that he'll experience all the days of his life. Life comes to an end eventually, doesn't it? And he dwells in the house of the Lord forever. He understood. And you see in the Old Testament, particularly, they don't talk a lot about eternal life. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about eternal life. Uh, The Old Testament kind of focuses a little bit more on this life. But here David understands that a relationship with God 
a friendship with him is something that will last forever. He will not come to an end, not in this life and not forever. If he loves us now, it's going to go beyond 80 years, 90 years. That's going to go for eternity. As his people. He does it all, as we said earlier, for his name's sake. I think that's so important. Uh, I think one of the problems we have, I think one of the sort of anxiety that we face in our culture is no sense of purpose, no sense of meaning. What are we living for, right? I think that's, a, that's a, one of the most confusing things, particularly for teenagers and millennials, is what is the purpose of life? Is there any meaning to this? Well, here he's very clear. God has made us for his namesake. He's doing something. As a shepherd, he has a beginning point, he has a destination in mind, and he wants to get us there. I think of uh, the Westminster Confession, uh, sort of a statement about Christian faith. First question, what is the chief end of man? Why do we exist? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. God is doing something with our lives. He has a purpose for them. He's doing it for his name's sake. As I said, the Psalms are not meant just to be dissected. They're meant to lead us to worship, to lead us to praise and to prayer. To look to the Lord for provision, spiritual food, and for guidance. To look to the Lord for security and safety. That he's the one who preserves us to the end. And to, the look, to, the, to look to the Lord for friendship and for life, particularly eternal life. Sheep are pretty basic creatures. Anything else? They really only have three purposes in life. Three, three intentions, three things that they desire. They want to survive, they want to eat, and they want to reproduce. That's what sheep want. <laughs> and I think about us, friends, spiritually. We want to survive spiritually. We want to persevere to the end. We want to make sure we don't get taken by wolves, which is described as false teachers in the New Testament, or by the thief who comes in to steal and kill and destroy. We want to survive, not only survive, but flourish. And it's interesting, I think, in John 10, where Jesus talks about his sheep, is where he says, I come that they might have life and have it to the full. <laughs> have such a life that it is a light on a hill to this world, that it's the type of life that the world looks at and says, I want that type of life. They want to eat. Friends, I would, again, I would just emphasize the importance of making sure you're spiritually fed. Making sure you're gathering with a church family and a body where you're hearing the word, where you're studying the scriptures on your own and in small groups. I know some people say, well, I listen to so-and-so on TV on Sundays. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's like eating McDonald's for dinner every day. All right, It's good for once in a while. It'll sustain you for a little bit, uh, but that's not good nourishing food. You need people who know you and love you who are speaking the word into your life. Make sure you're being spiritually well-fed, uh, especially new believers. I would just the first, most important thing I would do is to encourage you to get involved in a church and to get involved more than on Sunday morning. And they want to reproduce. Uh, sheep are communal animals. Again, a sheep by itself is in the most danger. Uh, they want to reproduce. And friends, that's what we're called to do as well. I don't mean just by having babies. Oh, that's a good thing too. So I'm looking forward to this new baby we're going to meet coming up here in a little bit as a church, but that's not what I'm referring to. We want to reproduce spiritually. In other words, we want to bring others faith in Christ tell people this good news. Just like a sheep has these three basic purposes, in some ways, spiritually, our lives are pretty simple. We want to flourish, survive, flourish. We want to continue to be nourished and eat. 
We want to continue to reproduce. May the Lord help us as our shepherd to do this. Pray with me. Well, gracious Father, thank you so much for the scriptures and for the diversity of your word and the power of some of these images like the Lord is our shepherd. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have been and are an amazing shepherd over us. You make sure that we are in green pastures and still waters, well fed, well cared for. And Lord, sometimes you lead us down these paths of righteousness well-worn paths from one place to the next, as is your good and perfect plan, and sometimes, Lord, through the dark valleys. Maybe some here are going through one of these dark valleys right now. They're facing a major health issue or some struggle in their marriage or with a family member or friend or work. Maybe it's financial struggles or whatever it is. Help them to look to the shepherd who is with them to look to your rod of protection and to your staff of guidance, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you look to us as friends. Like a guest sitting with his host at a table and his blessings overflowing. So, Lord, you have been so generous to us. Our cup overflows. Be with us, Lord, this week. Help us to Go forth with the confidence of knowing that you love us, that your favor is towards us. You are not against us in Christ, that we are yours, that we belong to you, that even when we face hard times, you're with us and you are leading us through them to the other side. Thank you for your presence. Thanks for being with us now. We pray all this in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.